I just feel, I feel even now, I don't feel like I weigh 295 or 293, whatever, whatever 133 is, but in that 290 range, I just feel like I'm long. I have uh, a long wingspan, long torso. And even at 109, I didn't feel filled out. Welcome to the Bar Ben Podcast, where we talk to the smartest minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbench.com. Today I'm talking to 2022 Pan Am medalist, 2022 national champion, and 2020 American Open champion in weightlifting, Alejandro Medina. Alejandro is a former college football player who found weightlifting and has had a wide experience across several weight categories, and he currently competes as a super heavyweight. We talk about Alejandro's unconventional first few years of training, along with what it's really like to train in weightlifting's heaviest bodyweight category. Spoiler alert, supers have to train much, much differently from most other weightlifters, and that's a misunderstood topic even in some weightlifting circles. As one of America's strongest weightlifters, Alejandro certainly has first-hand experience, so let's hear it from him. Hope you enjoy the show. Alejandro, thank you for joining us. For those who aren't familiar with you as a monstrously strong weightlifter, give us a little bit of your background in lifting, sports, and kind of how you got to where you are today. I started off doing a lot of sports growing up. played basketball, football, did track. Um, so you were, a tra- you, you were a, a quadruple threat, basically. Well, I did track in football in high school, and then the other ones I stopped around eighth grade. So I did everything in middle school and then tried to take a couple more serious steps towards left sports into high school. So, but yeah, I played, I, we played a lot. I did MMA lessons for like all of high school. So I never like actually fought, but I would spar a lot and just did, was pretty active in uh, all different sports and a lot of strength sports as well, like doing powerlifting on the side um, of football. And, as well so did you did you play any sports actively after high school before you got into weightlifting full-time um i did college football first semester and then i dropped out and that's how i got into weightlifting full-time wanted to stay competitive with something and i couldn't obviously can't play football or basketball or any of those ncaa sports outside of the ncaa um and weightlifting was just uh, my roommate was the co-captain of the weightlifting team they had there mm. so just got, I got lucky going to a, a college to play football, but they had 13 weightlifting platforms and, and a weightlifting team. So one of the bigger weightlifting clubs in a sport that's pretty niche, obviously. So I got kind of lucky. My roommate just happened to be on the team and he kind of got me into it at that point. And I had already been lifting for football. So it kind of just made sense. Tell us about those early days of weightlifting, obviously lifting for football, powerlifting on the side. You might be familiar with like power cleans hang clean things like this but you add in the actual weightlifting movements the snatch and the flip yeah. and the clean and jerk it can throw some people for a loop so what was that kind of initial learning curve like for you yeah i mean it was definitely it was definitely hard because we did a bunch of power cleans and like back squats to horrible depth you know above parallel and i never done a snatch or a jerk or anything like that so i was late with my like registration for the dorm and all that so i didn't get stuck with the football team that's why they put me with a different person like you put my interest in i put like football sports i put power cleans deadlifts bench i put all this stuff in my interest so uh, that's how i got paired with someone like that but then he's like oh you do cleans it's cool i'm like yeah you know, power clean whatever he's like oh do you do snatches and i'm like i don't even know what that is and he was uh 
my roommate at the time, we're still good friends. He was like a 67 kilo or 61 or something, whatever the weight class was in 2014 and snatching like a hundred kilos. And he showed me a snatch and he like dives under it. And I was like, I don't know what that is, bro. That, that's, I was like, that's different. Cause like 20 CrossFit wasn't super popular yet. And like the movements weren't as, as known as they are now. They're not crazy known, but they're a little bit more than what they were in 2014, 2013. But yeah, I had I had no idea. I just wanted to. In the beginning, my goal was just to get better than him, and I'm weighing 100 kilos, and he was 60 something. So I just try to catch up to his snatch, and then at least be the best weightlifter in our dorm room, and then kind of be the best weightlifter, you know, in the school, and then in the state, and then try to do nationally and internationally. But I was just kind of kept striving to be the best with whoever I was around, and I just got lucky with a roommate who was pretty involved with weightlifting. So was he coaching you at first? Was he giving you pointers, or how did you find kind of you know, after after you decide, hey, this is something I actually want to try. Like, where was your first coaching structure? Yeah, it's kind of weird because actually, you know, he didn't coach me. I didn't have like any coach. It's like I, I kind of what did I do? Because I I dropped out of school shortly in December, so I was only there for about four months. So it was really like I was trying to play football, and I would kind of dabble with snatch and clean and jerk just to kind of be better than him, or you know, with the desire to be better than him, be competitive with my roommate. But I didn't really get into it until after. So. I was in Wisconsin. I finished. I didn't finish. Whatever. I got dismissed from school in December, and then I came back down to Miami and found a coach. And I was in a CrossFit gym for for a little while. So if you go back to my videos in like 2015, the technique's really, really bad, and I didn't really have the uh, the proper guidance at that time. So it was definitely a really big learning curve there. When did you When did you start? Like, who was your first coach? I guess technically would be dom which was the owner of that crossfit gym um and he would give me like like it was like old like balticano and like greg Everett stuff so it was old catalyst like templates uh so that's what i started doing for the first like four or five months and then i found another coach because i wanted someone who was more weightlifting oriented and not a crossfitter who was also doing pretty much the same stuff it was like recycled catalyst things and a lot of like tens on back squat and eights and complexes and things that i don't do now but and then his name was joe Bine. And then I went through a couple of different coaches, local coaches here, like no coaches that you would probably know the names of. And then up until about 20, 2018, 2019, I joined another team. And at that point, I was like, hey, dude, I coach myself. I program for myself. I have seen a team name and someone to count for me. And I've been doing that pretty much for the past four years now, three or four years. So when was your first, when was your first meet and where was it and how did it go? Uh, 2015 in april and i took first in a division with two people in it <laughs> so uh, you just had to beat the other guy yeah i was, I was guaranteed a silver medal so because it was it was a, a smaller local meet but big enough to where they divided the juniors between the seniors so in the junior weight class it was in, at 90 in 94 at the time it was just me and one other one other person i snatched 95 kilos and i cleaned it with 141 so what, just to give a sense of evolution, what's your body weight category now? And what are your best competition numbers now, seven years later? I woke up this morning being the heaviest I've ever been in my entire life. Oh, wow. I guess congrats, congrats, congratulations on the body weight PR. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to get into that 140 range for Pan Am next year, but I weighed 133 this morning, which is 292, 293-ish, so somewhere right around there. So I've gained about a hundred pounds since that first meet 
it hasn't been linear though. It was very up and down. I got pretty skinny and then heavy again, skinny, heavy again. So it's been a whole, a whole thing. And then I, my best snatch is 172. My best cleaning jerk is 208. So snatching quite a bit more than I was cleaning jerking when I, when I first started. Which is always a fun thing to look back on. You're like, yeah. you're like, oh, I could do my, I could snatch my old cleaning jerk for a triple. Not that, right. not that suit, not that we would ever ask a super heavy to do a triple right. on the snatch. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do, I'll do a trip off the blocks every now and again, just to so, spice it up, cardio. Yeah, yeah, a trip off the floor and snatch. I haven't been for years, <laughs> like, like actual years. What? When so, was your first national level meet? When did you first qualify? 2017 unis, university nationals. Oh, okay, cool. So, and then I qualified at University Nationals for my first Nationals after. And at that Nationals, I took 15th. Was so, that, uh, that good? Yeah. Okay. So, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of on the national scene, but you're not necessarily someone who's competing for medals just yet. Was there right. a point after that? Do you remember, was it a particular competition, training session, training block, where you were like, wait a minute, I could be elite here. Like, I could actually maybe make a run for a, for a U.S. team, which is very much where you are right now. Kind of from the beginning, like 2014, to be honest, like, like the second that I found out about weightlifting, I mean, th- there was a moment like 2017 unis, but from the day that like my friend showed me weightlifting, I was already looking up everybody's American records. What does this person hit? looking up? And I'm already thinking like, oh, I can do these numbers when I'm like, I have no idea what it actually took at the time, but I'm already that, that, that my mentality has always been like, I can do it. So I was snatching 90 kilos and I was like, yeah, I'm sure I could do like 170 in you know, whenever the time comes, I, I was, I was looking, I already had my mindset to like 2020 Olympics mm. at, at that point in time, which obviously didn't happen. You know, didn't, you can't get that good that quick, but I, I've always had the mentality from the jump of, I can do this at a high level. Um, and then 2017 unis, that was my first national competition ever. And I medaled. So I was like, I, that's when I realized like, oh, yeah, I can really, I can really do this. I'm lifting with a bunch of guys that have been lifting for longer than me their whole life. And they can't, some of them don't qualify. Some of them can't, most of them, none of them can medal. I'm not trying to talk down to them. I'm just, they're all good friends of mine. But I, that's when I realized, like, I just kind of jumped in here late and I'm already, you know, I'm meddling at, I thought university was a little bit of a bigger deal than it was at the time, but I, I was so, I was so hyped. That's still one of my favorite meets to this day. And, uh, uh, what we were talking about earlier, hitting your old numbers. Now I hit a silver medal cleaning jerk of 172 at that meet for my first national medal, my first national meet. And then I posted about it. My first international meet, I snatched 172 for a first silver international medal and my first international meet. So it was kind of cool little timeline there about five years apart. When did you decide to move up to super heavies? Because you started, you said as a 96, right? Yeah, I was bouncing around between like 85 and 105 at the time. I just feel, I feel even now, I don't feel like I weigh 295 or 293 or whatever, whatever 133 is, but in that 290 range, I just feel like I'm long. I have a, a long wingspan, long torso. And even at 109, I didn't feel filled out. Mm. So um, I just figured the only way to continue to move more mass is to put more mass in my body. I really want to get into that. I really would love to snatch 190 and clean and jerk 230 at some point in my life, or at the very least 180, 220. And I think those numbers at in a weight class would never would never fall. Mm-hmm. So now with, with my body type, I just feel like there's like I could still fill out more. Like I'm heavy, I'm overweight, obviously. Like I'm packing on a, a lot of fat, but I still feel that there's a little bit more to to be able to gain through super through being a super than I that I would be able to do at 109. 
And even then, and to make it even even easier for me, 109, they took it out of the Olympics. So if my goal is to go to the Olympics 2024, it's 220, which I feel very thin at 220, or you know, 290, competing against people that are 350, 360, whatever. Early 2020, well, and, and 2017. End of 2017, I actually went to Super for like a few months, competed as a Super, and then cut back down to 89 and played football again in 2018. Um, I went back to school, played football for a little bit, and then quit again. And then went back to weightlifting in 2019, and then became a super again in 2020. You you really don't often see that transition from super down to 89 kilo lifter. Yeah, no, no, you don't. That's a pretty significant weight loss. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't like a true, I wasn't like a true true super obviously, but I got up to I peaked at 260. 260 is one, I don't know, 118. Um, but yeah, I got. I wanted to compete against somebody that was super heavy. We are kind of. We, we weren't really talking shit, but our, our the club he was from kind of was, and it was just a little bit of like hostility there. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to beat this guy. And, I, and and even though he was like an actual super, I, I didn't beat him. I outsnatched him, but he clearly jerked more than me that meet, so I didn't win. But so that that's like was the first um, time I moved to super, and then in 2020 I moved to super again with more of the thought process that I just explained, like wanting to go to the Olympics, wanting to snatch 190 or clean jerk 230. And uh, get to numbers that I don't think are capable, that I'm capable of at a lower weight class. What are some of the things that changed about your training, if anything, after you became like as a super compared to someone in you know one of the lighter body weight categories? I do less, <laughs> so I I, <laughs> I, uh, I I don't do a lot of volume. I keep the intensity pretty high. It's been pretty gradual, so it's hard to. You know, see, like it wasn't like a like a you know a hard drop off of volume. Mm-hmm. As I slowly gain weight, um, I've just been, yeah. Some, some days I feel like I just recover slower. Most of you you're getting heavier. My metabolism is a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. The test is probably a little bit lower. Um, all the extra body weight. So I just feel like I I can still lift really heavy, but I just do a little bit less. Like the last block I did, uh, I started my volume block of squatting with fives, and I'm like, you know what, we're not even doing fives anymore. Because I'm feeling like I can't recover from, so I actually do just. I'm pretty much always doing doubles, triples, and singles now in back squat, and then I don't really go above doubles for clean and jerk or snatch. Other than like we've talked about the occasional triple, and that would be really light. So there's definitely a pretty big drop off. I do programming and coach a couple of athletes, and like my girlfriend is a 59 kilo, and I almost she almost gets like double the amount of volume that I get. Um, so it's it's pretty it's pretty drastic. That that is interesting. What kind of training frequency? are you working at right now? Uh, I'd like right now I train five days a week. Mm-hmm. And when I was training with Fernando, uh, race, I was training nine days a week. So there are only seven days in a week. So I'm so assuming uh, you doubled up some of those times twice on Monday, twice on Wednesday and twice on Friday, once on Saturday, once on Thursday. Is that nine? Does it sound right? Twice on Monday. Oh, and the uh, one on Tuesday, the morning. So two days, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then single sessions, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Now I do all one session, and I actually rest on Thursday as well. Now sounds like a little, something maybe a little bit more sustainable, able to recover it's, from a little it's bit. It's a lot better. more sustainable. I don't have someone like Fernando to push me anymore. At that time, I was just like, you know, whatever this guy does. This guy's an Olympian. He's been there. He knows what he's doing. I'm just going to do whatever he does. So like, I did my own programming, but I would kind of walk in there, and if he's doing something, I would. It would kind of just figure things out, like. Me, neither me or him were like writing anything down on paper. We would both just show up and kind of just train. And he kind of had an idea of what he was doing already in his head because he'd been doing this for 20 years. 
but yeah, I've gotten better post that part of my lifting. So it's a hard pill to swallow. Like is sometimes you just have to do less. I've done far less these past like six months than I've done the two years prior and the progress has been substantially more. So it's important for your coach to know that as well. So that's the thing that I feel like a lot of the American coaches don't have a lot of knowledge of. And it's another reason why I don't like being programmed by any of these coaches because they just gave me this, you know, 70, 75% of a ton of volume and my body just like breaks down. And then I get weak and I don't get stronger. And I feel like there's not a lot of really good super heavies in America. There's Kane and there's Kaiser. And then like most clubs don't have a very high level super. And most coaches, especially like uh, my coach, he works up in Vero Beach and he does like half weightlifting by half like uh, high school. So he's working with, working with a lot of high school girls, a lot of 59 kilos, a lot of 64 kilos. And I feel a lot of coaches get consumed by like coaching those weight classes when the way you program for someone that's almost 200 pounds is like a complete 180. It's funny. One of my, one of my first coaches when I was weightlifting and that was my focus, this was over a decade ago to date myself. Um, he was a super and he had a pretty darn great career as a, as a junior super youth and junior super and then he got injured and transitioned out of weightlifting for a while and transitioned back in and you know that's something he said and that's one of the first things i ever learned about weightlifting because i'd actually just dropped a bunch of weight before getting into weightlifting and he was like well you can go back up to soup you can go back up to what i learned was called super but your training right. will be a lot different and i was like oh why is that And he's like well the heavier you, you are the slower your recovery time. And you also just carry around more weight. Like your body has to right. adapt to, to just being larger. So it metabolizes the things you're saying. It metabolizes slower. It recovers slower. Sometimes your sleep is impacted. Sometimes you can't digest things as well. I'm like, more, I'm more, I'm more congested and my digestion is horrible. <laughs> and it's just like, and it's just like, I've tried to figure out like, well, what's wrong with me? Like, there's gotta be some solution. It's like, oh, being fat's not healthy. So you gotta just deal with some things that are not gonna be amazing but like i like the inflammation in my nose is is more drastic so like when i'm sleeping at night i'll be congested the inflammation in my stomach everything you're, you're over you're overeating undersleeping um and like you just said not recovering and metabolism metabolism is generally the heavier you get slower it gets and then the other one the big one is is testosterone you generally like uh, like lean body mass is good for having higher testosterone so the fatter you get chances are your test is probably dropping as well so all these things factor in and even though you're bigger you have more mass more mass moves mass you're stronger there's so many other variables that can be counted in that you can't just keep doing the same thing you're doing when you're 80 90 kilos well i like how you admit that i mean it's not a sustainable lifestyle forever right like you no, no i don't want to be this heavy this is already my i posted a picture like two days ago what I, I went in 2018 when i quit to play football i went back down to 89 i was trying to go back to playing corner and my body likes to sit around like 190 to 200 mm -hmm. or you know, 220 on the heavy side. But like my body clearly does not like being above 290 pounds. It's super hard to maintain. I always, you know, I don't feel great eating the things that I have to eat in order to get to this weight class. And I eat really lean and I eat really clean food, but that's why I have to eat so much. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's not ideal. I don't want to do it past like I, I'm kind of going all or nothing. I'd love to go to the Olympics 2024. I'd love to qualify. There's a lot of things that have to happen. I have to, I have to be Kaiser and Pan Ams. Um, I think there's like top 10 in the, in the world in your weight class, or you could be continental champion. And then you have to go to like five or seven meets. There's a lot of things. And it's not like an easy or, or given or a bit, but it's, there's a chance. So that's, I'm kind of sending it all for that. And then after 2024, unless things are going really well, 
and I can make a couple more world teams, a couple more Pan Am teams. The super, the plan is to go back to 109 and put my health um, first. For sure. It's always interesting. I, when I hear people who drop from super to a lighter body weight category, often, I mean, their clean and jerks almost always drop, right? Yeah. But oftentimes you'll see people basically hit the same snatch numbers, which is interesting yeah. because they get faster in their positioning improves a little bit and they yeah. maintained enough strength to still do their old snatch numbers so they just become right. one of those weird athletes that's snatching like within 10 kilos of what they're clean and jerking basically mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah no i've seen the yeah, action that a few times you can kind of just hang on a little bit with snatch and you could see that they're it's not the same though like the ease isn't the same like they're True. diving under there and they're barely you know but they're right they're hitting the same kind of yeah you see it you see it often so what are the competitions that are in your immediate sites right now? Obviously, we won't go into it. That's a separate podcast. We've actually had a podcast on that. It's a very complex qualification system to get to the Olympics these days, yeah. especially because there are fewer Olympic bodyweight categories than there are bodyweight categories in international weightlifting. That's pretty much... Right. And that creates a lot of complications is basically what people need to know right now. Um, what are the competitions you're training for in your sites right now? American Open and then most likely the Arnold. Uh, but to a quick point about the Olympics, so they did change the qualifiers this year, though, mm -hmm. and they are a little more straightforward. And it is like not this black and white, but essentially, right? It's like go to five of these seven uh, meets that are mandatory and be one of the best three athletes in the country. So it, it's not exactly like that, but it's a little bit more of if you're the best, you get to go. As opposed to in the past, it was you know with Roby points, and it was a little bit more of a, of a who can go to more competitions and collect more points. It was it was a little weird. Um, so they, they changed it up and it makes a little more sense now. So that is good. Uh, but immediately it would be American open and, uh, most likely Arnold. I'm assuming that the Arnold will be like a last chance qualifier for Pan Ams. So that's going to be one that you need to go and you need to be on that Pan Am team to go and try to win Pan Ams to try to get into the Olympics. So those are the two most immediate ones. And American open is going to be, should be a lot of fun. It should be, it looks like it might be more competitive than Pan Ams was. The, you're talking about the American Open Finals in Atlanta a little yeah. in December, right? I'll be there. I'll be doing color commentary. I'll oh, try awesome. and get on your session. That way, it's always, ni it's always nice when I can do a session for someone I've talked to. That'd be cool because they don't care about supers. So, like, you know, like, I'm going and, like, they're, you know, packing up the warm-up platforms, like, after I'm lifting. Like, are you done warming up? I'm like, yeah. And they start, like, all drilling it and they get right into it. And, like, there's no commentators for my session. So it'd be, it'd be nice. So like I go back and I watch a live stream because I like to know what the commentators yeah, yeah, saying. Yeah, of course. And I'm like, Oh, that's incredible. 2022 nationals. There was no commentators on my, on my session. It, it and is there a, are, there were for the earlier, earlier ones. So, you know, it does get tough. I will give, so I'm involved with it. I'll give, I'll give us and I'll give USA weightlifting, which has actually done a lot. USA weightlifting's opened up more funding for commentators to like get more people there. It is tough because previously, like, people were leaving that night. They leave oftentimes, like traditionally, right. they leave like Sunday night and getting commentators for the supers is often convincing people to stay another night, which is like, hey, on your dime, can you stay another night in a hotel or right. an Airbnb? Not so, ideal. Right. So that, that was one of the, that's one of the issues and, and we've been trying to work on changing that so we can get more even coverage. But yeah, it's the earlier sessions, like, you know, if it's like a Thursday session when that's when the competition starts or Sunday evenings because it's like, oh, person who's going to sit down for commentary would you pay another $300 to stay in the hotel this night and put your life on hold? And it's getting better. And I agree. Right. Like, you know, the supers are fun. Everyone likes watching the supers. Yeah. That's, that's the big boy and the big girl weight. Like, right. Like yeah. that, that should get people amped up and they are fun 
sessions to do commentary on because you get to see some really interesting things and they get pretty competitive at the national level these days yeah and this one like with being the uh the last year for the olympics potentially right you know we don't know if we're gonna have anything beyond 2024 it makes it a little bit more important and then you know people are gonna try and hit even heavier weights and do what they got to do to try to make a run for this last time last time they get to go or last opportunity they ever have but so what you're saying is you're probably going to bite that bullet then and stay Sunday. Do the commentary <laughs> I, for that session. I haven't booked ever anything yet, but it's it's. Yeah. I'm going to try. I'm going also like it's the last competition of the year. It's always a lot of fun, and like the people who yeah. do stick around Sunday night, like they like to party. You go out with yeah. people. It's it's actually a, a pretty good time if you end up staying the extra night. Sometimes I'm I'm really boring, but sometimes I'll. I'll hang out with the people that are partying, but I won't partake in any of the, the partying. At Nationals 2021, I actually went and just got uh, just dinner with me and my girlfriend and Ian Wilson when everybody was out partying. Because Ian, I don't think he, he drank either or he doesn't smoke or anything like that. So, like, I don't drink. Um, I haven't drank for years. So, when everybody's going out, I'm kind of just... That's another. It's kind of nice though because when everybody goes out on Saturday, I don't like feel like I'm missing out. Oh, I, like I, that, you got to wait the whole weekend and then, you know... When I say partying, I don't necessarily even mean drinking. I just mean going and having a good, going and having a good yeah. time. For, for me, a party after a weightlifting competition is going and trying to eat fifty chicken wings sometimes. Yeah, that's I, I just want to, I just want to eat, hang out, and uh, like watch my PR like over and over again. <laughs> and like, that's kind of you know, I have my, I have my girlfriend record it, and then like I usually have like one or two other friends record it on their phone. And I'm already harassing that, like, hey, bro, do you got my videos? Like, how, you know, when can you send me? Yeah, so that I'm like just riding the high of whatever numbers I just hit. And um, I'm good for like two days. So like I said, yeah, yeah no drinking, whatever, but yeah, it's, it's exciting after I'm, I, I, I'm awake till like four in the morning after every competition. Yeah. You're just so, like, I, it's, you're I can't. Yeah. And then even the next morning I go to bed at four, I wake up at seven and I'll have a cup of coffee and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm good. Like I'm fired. And then the following like Tuesday, I like fall apart, like never changes. <laughs> Well, where is the best place for people to follow along with you, your training, to catch these PR videos once you post them on social after you have a fantastic competition later this year in Atlanta? Uh, thank you. Uh, it's uh, Medina underscore Island for Instagram is where I post most of my uh, training or all of my training. I posted a little bit to Three White Lights weightlifting on YouTube as well. Before Pan Ams, I would like to get back into that. I just haven't really had the time for it. But um, on YouTube, before Pan Ams, I posted my entire session. So, like, everything almost from, like, bar to the last weight being dropped. Um, so, that'll be, like, the, the full training sessions. Amazing. But primarily Instagram. Excellent. Alejandro, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, always great to hear... hear Always great to hear the weightlifter's perspective. I think we dived into some of the more subtle differences that a lot of folks who aren't in weightlifting, training it regularly, maybe not wouldn't know about the sport, especially for different bodyweight categories. And I appreciate you sharing. Have a good one. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on.